Health Matters with Karen Key. Well, World Asthma Day took place last Tuesday, the 7th of May, and one of the most important messages delivered then was that effective asthma treatments exist, and with proper diagnosis, education, and treatment, the great majority of asthma patients can achieve and maintain good control of their disease. When asthma is under control, patients can live full and active lives and can prevent emergency visits to the hospital. Now, the second part of our topic for this evening is allergy, and an allergy is a reaction of your immune system to something that does not bother most other people. People who have allergies often are sensitive to more than one thing, and substances that often cause reactions are things like pollen, dust mites, mold spores, pet dander, food, insect stings, and medicines. So how do you get allergies? Well, scientists think both genes and the environment have something to do with it. Now, normally your immune system fights germs because it's your body's defense system. In most allergic reactions, however, it's responding to a false alarm. Allergies can cause a runny nose, sneezing, itching, rashes, swelling, or even asthma. And as you've heard, symptoms will vary. Although allergies can make you feel really bad, they usually won't kill you. However, a severe reaction called anaphylaxis is life-threatening. And a reminder that if you need any information about any of this, there's all sorts of contact details, allergy societies, and groups that you can join or find out more information from. All those contact details will be on the Facebook page this evening. Just go to Health Matters on SAFM. There's also a link there on the Facebook page if you'd like to download a podcast of the show. If you'd still like to contact me directly, you could email me on healthmatters at safm.co.za. Well, just a reminder, you're listening to Health Matters on SAFM. I'm Karen Key, and it's our monthly phone-in. This evening, we're discussing asthma and allergies with Dr. Claudia Gray, and she's a pediatrician working at the Red Cross Children's Hospital's Allergy Clinic, as well as at the Vincent Pilotti Hospital here in Cape Town. So, Dr. Gray, rather a long introduction, but asthma and allergies somewhat connected, but let's focus on asthma, seeing as it was World Asthma Day last week. One of those things that it can strike anybody pretty much at any time, from what I gather. Yes, Corin. Um, World Asthma Day was last Tuesday, and as we've mentioned, the focus was you can control your asthma. But in answer to your question, asthma has become incredibly common, and uh, levels and, and, and rates of asthma have increased quite spectacularly over the last few decades. And that's both in developed countries initially leading the way, and now more recently in developing countries. So in a country like South Africa, about 1 in 20 adults suffer from asthma, and in children, it's much more common. So 15 to 20% of children have asthma at some stage in their childhood. So yes, asthma is very common. It can strike anyone, but obviously there's certain risk factors and a certain profile which makes you more prone to this disease. This is something that if you haven't, because most people would think that it's something you would get in childhood and it would just stay with you, but it can, in, in older people, it can suddenly just appear. You're absolutely right. The most common scenario is that asthma starts in childhood and persists into adulthood. But a certain percentage of the population actually have adult onset asthma. And this is more common in sort of females in their 20s to 30s and can have a slightly different profile to our childhood asthmas. So yes, you can get it in childhood, you can get it in adulthood. And then of course, you can get it as a result of certain triggers such as occupational exposures as well, in which case adults would be the victims of that. We'll get more to the occupational exposure, but if you have any questions about asthma or allergies, you can call us on 0892 10 2010. The occupational onset of allergies, that is something, if you're working in a factory with lots of dust, for example, or chemicals, those sorts of things, would that possibly trigger an asthma? You're absolutely right, Karen. I'm a pediatrician, so I don't deal with that mm. on a daily basis. But occupational asthma is important to know about because people can really suffer on the job and they are um, entitled to certain rights. They're entitled to workman's compensation. They're entitled to the uh, work environment take, taking certain measures to try and minimize damage by these occupational exposures, for example, using extractor fans and wearing protective masks, for example. So if people are aware of the risk of asthma on the workplace, they need to take the appropriate measures. And children, I mean, that's something that's, it, when, it, when it comes to a child, it starts quite young. Um, po would it be possibly possible for a parent to confuse it with croup, for example, or whooping cough, or all these other things that you're never quite sure with when sure. kids have all these hundreds of things going wrong, as they do when they're little, you can get a little confused as to what is exactly wrong Absolutely, with the child. Absolutely, and not just you, the healthcare professionals. Oh, okay. can also <laughs> I feel so bad confused. now. <laughs> 
The reason being that the most common cause for chestiness in a young child is infections. Of course, asthma can also start in a young child, but then we'd have a profile of a child who's not just getting ill with infections, but who's having symptoms in between as well. For example, when they're running around or when they're laughing or when they're exposed to pollen. But certainly, under the age of three, the most common cause of a cough and a wheeze would be a respiratory tract infection. And of those kids, only about a third will go on to develop asthma. So it's not a given that if your child is very young and is having recurrent chest infections or those kinds of problems that it's going to end up being asthma? No, it's not a given. About a third will progress to asthma and those are the kids with a more high-risk profile. Often they have a family history of allergies or asthma. They have a personal history of other allergic diseases such as eczema or hay fever, for example. And as I mentioned, they have symptoms in between infections as well and not just with infections. But all that wheezes is not asthma and certainly in your young child with a respiratory infection who goes on to wheeze, the, the chances are that they won't become asthmatic. Well, that's quite a relief for most parents listening, I'm sure. We need to get into a lot more of this, but we have Bill on the line in Port Elizabeth. Bill, good evening. Good evening. Hello, how can we help you this evening, Bill? Um, would you ask your panel doctor to comment on the link, potential link between anti-cholesterol drugs and um, severe skin allergies? Okay, Dr. Gray. Any idea on uh, anti-cholesterol medication and skin allergies? Is this something that's happened to you, Bill? Yes, yes, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a sufferer. Okay, and you started taking anti-cholesterol medication, and now you've got a skin allergy. Well, you know, the, 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 I've been on, I'm sort of over seventy, and I've been on these drugs for many years, and um, uh, they flare up. Uh, the, the allergies flare up. You manage a skin like mine. Um, uh, there's no, there, there seems to be no cure, but um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested because there's a lot of anecdotal evidence on, on the Internet on, on the link between uh, the, what I've spoken about. Uh, but talking to my own doctor, who I uh, respect greatly, uh, he's sort of um, not um, too... too, too um, to, uh, to make a link between the two. And I'm just wondered what your expert um, has to say on the subject. Did you not have any skin problems before you started taking the medication? Did it only start well, once you started taking you know, it, I'm going, I'm going back 25, 30 years. So um, um, these th my, this has developed uh, over, over time um, and has been with me. Uh, and and our, our condition that, that I suffer from um, is, is really, it's got a, a variety of names, but from what I can gather, atopic eczema or some such name is pretty typical of, of what I have. Okay, well, let's Good. ask Dr. Gray here. Dr. Gray? Thank you, Bill. An interesting question. And here we, we, we need to talk about the relationship between pre-existing conditions and perhaps worsening with medications and new mm -hmm. onset conditions. And my guess is, from what you're saying, is that you may have suffered from atopic eczema even before the onset of the hypercholesterolemia and the cholesterol medications. Yeah, there's no doubt yeah. about it. I, yeah. I, I, I recall eczema conditions uh, into my early teens and probably before. Sure, sure. So in your case, my guess is that the medication may exacerbate it or worsen it, but certainly isn't the underlying cause. The underlying cause is that you have a skin condition, eczema, and that condition is worsened under certain circumstances. First of all, it naturally waxes and wanes, and you need to treat it appropriately when it flares up. Secondly, yeah. there are triggers um, such as heat, uh, sweating, infections when you're unwell your eczema flares up because your immune system and, is and slightly presumably tweaked. presumably changes of seasons are also relevant in that Absolutely. regard. Absolutely, changes of season in terms of heat or in winter we often get dry skin which exacerbates eczema or if you're mm. sensitive to certain things in the environment it can also worsen your eczema. But yeah. the relevant thing from your question is first of all that eczema is a, is a chronic condition which waxes and wanes and needs very careful treatment because it can be very debilitating and itchy and uncomfortable but secondly that medications can have side effects and some medications almost all medications can have a rash as a side effect mm. but that's not a common cause of long-term eczema it may worsen eczema but wouldn't be the underlying cause of atopic dermatitis yeah so 
okay. Uh, you you haven't told me anything that I that I don't really know, uh, because uh, I I agree. I mean, you only manage a condition like this and uh, and deal with the the. Uh, because there's so many triggers. I mean, you know, house dust and all of those things, and bits of various types of food, and you you get to know them over time. But, Absolutely, um, Bill. And when I when I counsel my patients on eczema, they get to learn that it is a long term condition. You mm. sometimes grow out of it, but very rarely. I mean, often it it carries on into adulthood. And the mm. trick with eczema is to moisturize, moisturize, moisturize. That's the petrol of treating eczema. Without moisturizers, yeah. your eczema will flare up. And then during flares, you escalate your treatment to include some kind of a drug with an anti-inflammatory action, such as a steroid cream. But certainly anyone suffering from eczema listening to this show should really get the message that you cannot manage eczema without regularly replacing your skin barrier um, with, uh, with a moisturizer. Is there anything that you would recommend as a moisturizer? Anything particular? No, I'm not going to mention any brand names. No, sure, but, but there certainly are there have to be moisturising creams with a fatty component to them, not just yeah. aqueous creams, which are water-based creams which evaporate from the skin. No, they don't. So they're not good enough. No, absolutely. No. So creams yeah. that are designed for eczema, and your healthcare practitioner will be able to tell you many of those things mm. like cetamacrogol cream as a base or emulsifying cream, and really keep your skin moisturised several times a day with little babies. I say to the moms with every nappy change put moisturizer on as well and they do incredibly well just with that yeah. basic information mm. well okay. good luck to you bill thank you very much thanks for the call okay. good night to you i'm not quite sure we're taking harry for harry in we're staying in port elizabeth harry good evening <laughs> yes good evening Hi, good evening um, Colin, my, my question um is to your guest is about uh, the uh, asthma right and i just wanted to know um i do a bit of yoga and i teach a bit of yoga and we often teach the uh, clients to uh, exhale at twice the count of the inhalation is there any evidence to suggest that asthma is actually caused by them not being able to expel air and not really the fact that they can't get air in it, that they can't expel the air that they really have, in other words, the carbon dioxide. And the second thing is, why is it that the very, very fit athletes, for example, Ironman contestants, still have to use their asthma pump when you think their cardiovascular system is in such incredible shape? Um, is it the nervous tension or, um, or what? And that's, oh, that's my two questions. Nice questions, Harry. Dr. Gray? Good. Two excellent questions. The first one about, uh, I, w- I was delighted to hear the yoga bit because one of the points of good a- uh, asthma treatment is that you should be able to exercise as normal. So it is a myth that asthmatics shouldn't exercise. So first of all, asthmatics should be able to take part in yoga and indeed in cardiovascular exercise. Your point yeah. about expelling air is absolutely correct. Asthma is a disease of the small airways and your small airways come into play when you exhale. So when when you breathe out. So you can see asthmatics during an asthma attack have a prolonged expiratory phase and they wheeze when they breathe out. And this is in stark contrast to conditions like croup where the upper airway is involved and where children battle to breathe as they're breathing in. So you're absolutely right. Asthma is a condition where breathing out is the main issue. You talk about athletes. Why do fit athletes still get asthma attacks? Well, the point is that fit athletes can have asthma. And we know that there are two components to asthma. First of all, that the airway is inflamed. So there's a chronic swelling increased production of mucus, increased inflammatory cells, and and fit athletes will have that just as much as unfit people. So the underlying inflammation is there. And then in addition to that, when you feel tight, it's the muscle spasm. So the muscles around the airways also going into spasm and causing those acute symptoms in an asthma attack. So athletes, just as any other person suffering from asthma, need excellent asthma control with everyday controllers not just reliever medications. During an asthma attack, if an athlete goes um, on a jog, we know people, quite famous athletes like Paula Radcliffe have asthma, two things come into play. 
First of all, uh, you, you, you mentioned that stress, yes, stress can be an aggravating factor, as well as the change in temperature that exercise brings about. You know, you're exhaling air quickly. It can be that rapid change in temperature of the air as it reaches the airways because you're breathing in and out quite vigorously. And all of those factors can irritate the airway and cause you to go into an asthma attack. Now, for many of our patients who are good athletes and who suffer from attacks during sporting activities, we actually actually advise that they take their asthma pumps before the game or before the sports match or before the race, so 20 to 30 minutes beforehand, to try and control that airway irritability. But just as important as their long-term asthma control. So perhaps some of these asthmatic uh, athletes haven't got the right long-term medication. So certainly fit athletes, as no matter how fit you are, the airway has its own agenda and it can go into spasm and have an asthma attack while you're running. That answer your questions, Harry. Thank you very much indeed. Appreciate it. Sorry, did you did you have did you have another question there? Well, I was gonna ask you something about dairy, but I don't want to bring up a can of worms. Um, is there any evidence to suggest that a dairy is mucus forming and therefore um that can get people to develop allergies, you know, through all the antibiotics and that are used for the sure, sure. production of the dairy. You've brought up a very important can of worms, which brings with it lots of <laughs> <laughs> old wives' tales. So, so my advice, in children it's it's possibly different. Many children actually suffer from a proven cow's milk or dairy allergy, and that's a totally different category, I feel, to what you're talking about here. So those kids, mm. obviously, if they have dairy, they can have an acute reaction and as part of that, their airway can tighten up. But you're talking now more long-term about adults with sinus problems or who are a little bit chesty and dairy. Yeah. And my answer is there's very minimal evidence. So certainly, mm-hmm. if you go to your GP and you say, oh, I've got this chronically snuffly nose or I'm a little bit chesty, they should not be advising you to eliminate things from your diet, such as wheat or dairy. Mm-hmm. It's the incorrect information. It's more correct to look for factors in the air, so error allergens, as we call them dust mite pollen etc so i usually say to my patients please eat and drink what you want unless you have a known allergy to the substance oh you had some really good questions there harry thanks for getting through this evening thanks a lot good night to you you're listening to health matters on safm i'm karen key and it's our monthly phone-in this evening we're discussing asthma and allergies with dr claudia gray and she's a pediatrician working at the red cross children's hospitals allergy clinic as well as at the vincent pilotti hospital here in cape town if you have any questions you can call us on 0892 10 2010 0892 10 2010 in east london good evening good evening ma'am how are you hello very well thank you how are you Fine, fine, thanks, ma'am. No problem. You have a question for us, my way to? Yes, 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 ma'am. And uh, I've got a five-year-old boy here. And uh, when the, he's got the, the asthma, I just uh, discovered it uh, in, um, two years back. And uh, when the weather is there, uh, it's, uh, it's cold. He starts uh, coughing around six in the evening, then after an hour. It's just uh, kind of struggling to breathe, and then they, they, they said it's armor, and I took him to hospital. They, they, they put him in, 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 in the machine there for a few seconds, for a few hours, a few minutes. And they took, it, took, took him out, and they gave him a medication. But uh, nothing changed when the weather is bad, so it's, it's something that's, uh, like that happens. So, so every time when it's cold in the evening, then he can't breathe very well? Yeah, if the weather during the day is bad. He is right, but when about the evening, uh, okay. start symptoms of that asthma. An hour later, maybe around seven, he is in a bad state. Okay, it's a bad state by seven. Shame. Okay, Moetu, Dr. Gray? Sure, Moetu, that's, um, that, that's actually a, a lovely question because it brings about the whole question about asthma treatment and how we should be treating, especially children, on a chronic basis. And could I ask you what treatment your child has been put on for the asthma? Unfortunately, you know, the, 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 the writing of the medicine and the doctors is, is not... Uh, I, I can't really remember what... They, is it an write, asthma uh, pump? Sorry? Has your child been put onto an asthma pump? No, 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 not for asthma pump yet. 
Okay, fine. Right, so so in that case, very good question. First of all, showing us a typical pattern of an asthmatic child, a five-year-old diagnosed two years ago, so diagnosed at the age of three, typical age for diagnosing asthma, because that's the age at which our infective wheezes wane, so they get less, and our asthmatic wheezes increase, so typical profile there. Secondly, an asthmatic child getting worse at night. And this can have several factors. First of all, as you mentioned, the cold. So as with the athletes, we've mentioned this gradient in temperature, the change in temperature, bringing on uh, an irritable airway, causing it to close up. And secondly, nighttime is a notoriously bad time for asthmatics for many reasons, and mainly because our cortisol Cortisol levels in our body are low at night, and cortisol is a natural anti-inflammatory. So most asthmatics, if they're badly controlled, suffer more during the night than during the day. So the point here is that your child has uncontrolled asthma. So the asthma may be relatively mild to moderate, but it could be perfectly controlled. And that will require what we call a controller or preventer medication. And that's a medication given every day uh, to the child in the form of, of, of an inhaler pump, and very rarely we use a tablet for that, to try and control the inflammation in the airway. So your child is showing classical symptoms of asthma that's under-treated, and your child should visit the healthcare professional again and should be on a controller pump every day and then a reliever pump for when the chest gets tight. Moetu, did they give you any medication to bring home with you? Uh, they gave me something, something like uh, a product which was in a in a in a, in a pocket. So like a like a pinky with salt cards. Sorry, I'm aware to this yeah. line is this is quite bad. I missed what 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 you got to bring home with you. Is it something that you have to give your child every day or not? Yeah, they, they said I must give them to every day. So until it gets finished. Oh, it's, it's, until it's, uh, was it just medication? It wasn't actually a, a pump that you spray something? No, no, no it wasn't a pump, it was just a medication. It was like a liquid medication? Yes, it was, it was like, uh, yeah, it was a pink, a pink in color. Okay. So it was a liquid medication? Yeah, sure, so it's a liquid yeah. medication. And to be quite honest, the liquid, even if it is a liquid bronchodilator or something that opens up the airway, they're not very effective. You need to, your child needs to go onto an asthma pump. The control of your child can be absolutely excellent. There's no reason for a child or anyone for that matter to have asthma which causes symptoms every day. And the message of World Asthma Day this year has been you can control your asthma. And as patients, as doctors, we need to take control. We need to educate our patients, make the diagnosis, give them the correct treatments so that their life is back to normal. Mawetu, do you have access to email at all? No, 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 no. You don't. Okay, we've got your number. Um, I'm going to call you tomorrow, excuse me, and give you some information that you can maybe take with you to the clinic so that they can maybe explain this to you a little bit better. Okay, okay, thanks, Lynn. Okay, Mawetu, I'll give you a call tomorrow. Thanks, Lynn. Okay, have a good evening. Good night to you. Off to Johannesburg. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) <coughs> Naeem, good evening. Hi, how are you? Fine, thanks, and you? I'm, I'm okay. Uh, thanks for having me anyway. Thank Pleasure, how can we call. help? I just want to got one question. I just want to know very simply, can you get rid of completely the sickness, asthma and eczema? Asthma and eczema, okay. Doctor, can you get rid of okay. it ever completely? <laughs> that, that, is, that is another really excellent question. Asthma and eczema are both allergic kind of conditions caused both by a genetic predisposition, so you predisposed in your genes and in your constitution and environmental factors. There is no cure for these conditions, but in many cases, your body outgrows them. So you can outgrow them completely. But the important thing is there's no magic medication given for a week or two that's (laughs) going to cure these conditions. They're long-term conditions that need to be controlled, and they can be controlled very well by medication but not cured. But in many cases, they are outgrown. So there is hope of that. Now, Em, are you suffering from either one of these? No. Not. I just got a plan of mind. Every time the season changes and, you know, like a, there's a lot of dust, it really gets affected him, you know. 
Absolutely. And the change of season often causes hay fever or allergic rhinitis, where mainly the nose and the sinuses and the eyes are itchy and involved. And in many cases, it can also cause chest problems. And one of the important points here is that we call the nose the start of the airway. So if you have nasal symptoms, you need to watch out for chest symptoms. And certainly if you have asthma, you need to make sure your hay fever is also well controlled as part of holistic treatment because it's the one airway approach. The airway starts at your nose and ends in your in your chest. Thank you. Okay, Naeem. Thanks, thanks. thanks for the call. Good night to you. Yeah. You're listening to Health Matters on SAFM. I'm Karen Key, and it's our monthly phone-in. This evening, we're discussing asthma and allergies with Dr. Claudia Gray, and she's a pediatrician working at the Red Cross Children's Hospital's Allergy Clinic, as well as at the Vincent Pilotti Hospital here in Cape Town. If you have any questions, you can call us on 0892102010, Edwin in Pretoria, good evening. Good evening, Karen. Hello, how can we help you? Karen, uh... I've, re- I've just recently gone on a, a TB treatment at our local uh, public hospital. Okay. And it seems like the medication that I'm getting there, I've got, once I've, uh, I've taken the medication, uh, my skin starts to itch and, and the attack is so terrible. I don't know how to, 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 to help myself. Okay, let's see if Dr. Gray can give us some advice. Dr. Gray, TB medication. Thank you very much for that question. So once again, we have a question of medications causing itches, causing rashes. And uh, this will be worsened in a person who's already got eczema or has already got a rash. But certainly TB treatment, like any other medication, can cause an itchy rash uh, or an itch as part of the side effect profile. In some cases, that can be lessened by changing the dose or by taking multivitamins to try and negate that effect. Uh, In some cases, if you're feeling generally unwell uh, too on TB treatment, you should see your doctor doctor because the itch could be part of a much bigger picture like liver involvement as a side effect of the TB treatment. It's just a case, I think, Edwin, of not stopping the treatment. You need to go and speak to your doctor who can alter it and change it and give you something that hopefully would not cause the reaction that you're having. Yeah. But with TB, don't stop taking the medication. Yeah, go. Absolutely correct, Karen. Absolutely. And that's where when you start on, on, a, on a course of treatment, such as TB treatment, you should be counseled on the possible side effects. And if you have side effects, go and speak with your doctor. They can either change the medication or investigate you to make sure it's not part of a more serious side effect, or they can give you something to try and relieve the symptoms while you continue to take the TB treatment. For example, and and a bad itch may be soothed by lotions on the skin as well as antihistamines taken by mouth. Oh, okay. I see. So there are there are some options, so, Edwin. So, have, have so you... I should speak to my doctor then, to, 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 to the doctor at the public hospital. Absolutely. I think that's the right thing to do because you do okay. seem to be suffering and I'd do that as soon as possible. Uh, tell me, Karen, is, is it in order to say, can I see like a private doctor whilst I'm still waiting for my check, for my checkup, for my next checkup, which is uh, next month, whilst I'm having this problem, like a GP, can I go and say GP whilst is it in order? Is I'm it? sure, Dr. Graham, I'm sure it would be absolutely Absol- fine. Absolutely. If you have access to other forms of health care, then go for it. If you're not doing well in the treatment, if you've got side effects, then the sooner you can see someone, the better. It's, okay. it's your health, Edwin, and I'm very impressed that you're taking responsibility for your health. So you continue doing that. And, and, and if you Edwin, need to, you, I'm sure there's no problem seeing a, a private no GP. No problem at all. But do remember also that there's lots of expertise at clinics such as TB clinics, and they may well be fine for you to phone in and say, listen, I've got side effects, what should I do? Or listen, I've got side effects, can I see a doctor earlier? So oh, also try and phone your local clinic and explain to them that you've got side effects what can you do or can you see someone earlier? Okay, no. Lots, of, it, lots of options, Edwin. Okay, thanks so Good much. luck to Thank you. you. Thanks for calling. Okay. Good night to you. Off to KZN. Zoma, good evening. Good evening, Karen. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm okay. How can we help, Zoma? I've, I've got a son. He's about 14, going to 15 years now. Mm-hmm. He had a bed eczema as a child and he outgrew it as he was growing up. But now I worry because he's not a lot and he's getting runny nose every day. 
is there something better you can take? Because now the tragedy is, you know, so often we take our kids to GPs and they don't get really, you know, the treatment that you think, okay, this really helps. Because sometimes you get a, a short-term treatment, but, you know, it doesn't get to a point where the doctor says, no, maybe you need to put him on some chronic treatment. And the second one is my little one. He hasn't really had, like, an asthma or any, like, eczema or anything like that. But often he'll get, like, his eyes will just swell up. Both his eyes, I mean, will just swell up without any reason sometimes. I don't know really what causes it. Dr. Gray? Thank you. Okay. So first of all, the 14-year-old, and, and once again, this illustrates quite nicely one of, the, one of the important concepts in the world of allergies, and that's something called the allergic march. And the allergic march describes a process, whereas if you're prone to one type of allergy, you're more mm-hmm. prone to getting another type of allergy at a certain stage of your life. And very early in life, the allergic conditions that are most common are food allergies and eczema. A little mm. bit later, it's asthma. And a little bit later, peaking in teenage years, it's hay fever or allergic mm. rhinitis. So certainly your oldest son is displaying a classical allergic march and now seems to have signs of hay fever or allergic mm-hmm. rhinitis. And this is a condition where the allergic reaction takes place in the nose. So the nose mm. becomes swollen and produces lots of mucus, mm. is itchy, you sneeze, it can become blocked and really cause considerable reduction in quality of life. And you've alluded to the fact that you know, he hasn't been put on long-term treatment. And unfortunately, often doctors just see a snapshot of the patient and don't right. take that long-term history very well. But certainly allergic rhinitis is a long-term condition that needs long-term treatment. There are two main forms of treatment. The one is using a nasal spray, a cortisone-based nasal spray, to try and make the nose less swollen and itchy and runny. And the other way of treating it, we often have to use these treatments together, is an antihistamine taken by mouth and the very last way of treating it which uh, the caller who asked about curing conditions I didn't mention this but there is a process called desensitization where you actually give the person the stuff that they're allergic to for example if they're very grass allergic they get a dose of grass under the tongue every day in the form of a little well-designed liquid over three years and it can actually desensitize your body to that particular allergen but that's now talking very fancy and expensive treatment but I just want to mention the options available here so the basic options are number one doing allergy tests seeing what your son is actually allergic to so you also know what to avoid and how to change those factors and number yeah, two I, I, to I treat the symptoms young, we did do an allergy test and Good. he had a whole lot of allergies including dust Yeah, so the dust and the grass will now have become more prominent and he's showing typical signs of hay fever. So he needs treatment, he needs a nasal spray, probably also an antihistamine, and you need to have basic counselling on how to reduce things like exposure to dust mite. And can I just say something, Dr. Gray? It's it's not you've mentioned the nasal spray and the antihistamine not recommended to just pop into the pharmacy and get something over the counter. You need to initially consult your doctor. Yeah, I think for short-term relief you can, but for long-term management you certainly should see your doctor. They should make the correct diagnosis, find out what the patient is allergic to, and put them on the safest long-term treatment option. So often when we pop in and get over-the-counter medications, they will provide quick relief but not necessarily be suitable for long-term treatment and have many short-term side effects as well. The second, yeah. uh, the second question you had was on your little one. That's a slightly confusing case. Um, yeah. Swollen eyes can have many reasons. Uh, swollen eyes can be as a result also of, an, of, of a hay fever type of condition where they get allergic conjunctivitis, where the eyes become swollen and itchy. Or it can be part of a more general allergic reaction. For example, if you have a food allergy, you can present with a rash as well as swollen eyes. So that's an interesting one that we'd have to go into into deeper questioning for. But uh, yeah, my the, the, the thing is, you know, with, with the swollen eyes, her eyes will swell up, and after a while, it will come down. So now, when taking her to a doctor, you know, there's no evidence. Mm. 
It's and like when the eyes, when the eyes show, so once again, we're just able to see a snapshot. When the eyes swell up, are they itchy? Yes, they're itchy. She's rubbing all the time and then they swell up. Okay. And is there anything else to see on the body, a rash or shortness of breath, any other signs? Summer? She might get uh, sneezy, sneezy or something okay. like that, but not, a, not, not something not a that you will worry Good. about. Okay, so it doesn't sound like an allergic reaction to food. So in this case, it certainly sounds like a similar condition to the older child where it's an allergic type of conjunctivitis. And the eyes can swell up if they're exposed to massive amounts of things that the child is allergic to. And in young children, it's very often the house dust mite. So very often when they've been mm. sleeping in their bedroom with lots of soft toys, or soft pillows. House dust mite is a tiny little creature that lives in all of our bedding and pillows and any place that's soft and furry. So many children have these attacks then in the early hours of the morning when they wake up, it's an allergic reaction of the eyes. Then during the day, that swelling will subside. So my guess is it's an allergic type of conjunctivitis, which can also be treated with long-term eye drops and, and antihistamines taken by mouth. Thank you very much, Doctor. Pleasure. Thank you, Zama. Thanks for calling. Good night to you. Down to Cape Town. Andrew, good evening. Good evening to you ladies this evening. It's Andrew, yes? Hi, Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Um, I've uh, listened to quite a number of symptoms that my son has. Unfortunately, um, he passed on last year um, of his motorbike. Oh, I'm so sorry uh, to hear that, Andrew. Yeah, no. Um, it's just that, you know, when we had the post-mortem done, he apparently had a tight chest. And, um, you know, I have listened to you people, so I don't know uh, if the tight chest was a cause of a heart attack, but he had a sinus problem. Um, you know, he had to uh, uh, rub his eyes as well. He, he actually wore contact lenses. Um, he was quite heavily built. He was he died before his 30th birthday. And apparently he was complaining before he got onto the bike again to, you know, to go home. And then um, he was saying that he's not feeling well. So uh, mm-hmm. do you think Sanders could have led to the tight chest, if it's possible? Or, you know, he apparently just, you know, uh, threw the bike to the side and tried to roll himself in the event, thinking that he was going to survive. But when they got to him, you know, he had passed on already. Sure, Andrew, that's a, that's a very, very tragic case and, uh, yeah, and, and a difficult one to, to, to dissect. Certainly one of the messages that we can, I don't, I don't know what was the cause of, of your son's demise, of course. And um, the question that, that, that's probably at the top of your mind is, was it a, a medical cause that led him to not feeling well, that then led him to lose control rather than just have a pure accident? Yeah. And certainly sinus problems alone, no, they won't cause that. But if sinus is related to asthma, an asthma attack certainly can be fatal. But and this he, is a, this is one of the messages here that asthma has to be taken seriously. But he's never ever complained of, you know, uh, like, you know, um, he's, he's been a healthy boy. Yeah. Um, not uh, complaining of, you know, uh, a chest or anything sure, as such. Sure. But the sinus was always a problem and the rubbing of the eyes, you see. Sure, sure. And, um, but unfortunately, on that day... Um, uh, he came in the third, he came to visit us and in the Saturday morning at about 2 o'clock, you know, we got the message to say they had passed away. Sure. And then, of course, on the, uh, like I say, when they did the post-mortem, yeah. they died with tight chest, you said. Yeah. yeah, there could have been other factors contributing. In a person who's never obviously had asthma symptoms before, it yes. would be quite rare to have such a sudden catastrophic asthma attack as your first presentation. Yeah. If he wasn't feeling well, the, you know, a likely explanation would be that he had an infection and that it was more likely related to an infection which can cause trouble in the heart, which can cause trouble in the, in the chest. But okay. certainly as a first presentation of asthma, it would be quite a dramatic and rare, uh, rare presentation. In children, we do see that, but they generally have signs of a cold first, and then they slowly deteriorate, and then they get chesty, and they can get really, really tight. But certainly, you know, in, a, in an adult, 
who doesn't suffer from asthma, I would say that would be a very rare cause. And I wonder if there wasn't an infection or something else going on. Yeah, because, I mean, they've actually was saying, uh, because I didn't want to, you know, um, say anything before we, we received the post-mortem, you see. Sure. Because he was alone involved in this accident because he threw the bike and threw the bike one side knowing that there was something wrong with him. Yes. And he rolled himself, you know. Shame. And in the process, he damaged his, um, his um, broke left or right arm. Yeah. And, um, you know, when he fell onto his back again, he apparently tried to open up his, take his helmet off and what, he couldn't take it off. But then the jacket he tried to open and then he just, you know, passed out there then. So I just wanted to know if that was, you know, if it could be heart-related or if it was uh, the yeah. sinus that could have... Uh, sure, sure. Listen, you know, in such a tragic case, I wouldn't think the sinus itself would have been causative. An asthma attack can be that severe, but in adults, the most likely cause of a sudden deterioration, a sudden death, is actually a, a heart cause, a cardiac cause. Okay, now I feel much easier. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, my lady. It's a pleasure. Andrew, thank Thanks. you for getting through and our condolences once again. Thanks very much. Eh? Thank, thank you for you. the call. Good night Bye. to you. Bye. You're listening to Health Matters on SAFM. I'm Karen Key, and it's our monthly phone-in. This evening, we're discussing asthma and allergies with Dr. Claudia Gray. She's a pediatrician working at the Red Cross Children's Hospital's Allergy Clinic and at the Vincent Pilotti Hospital here in Cape Town. We've got about 10 minutes left. If you'd still like to get through, the number is 0892-102010, 0892-102010. in Cape Town, good evening. Good evening, ma'am. Uh, uh, can I... Uh, my, my problem is of teeth. Yes, certainly. Want to speak to the doctor? She's right here. Yes. Hi, Dayanda. Hi. Hello. Welcome. What is? Do you have a question for her, Dayanda? Yes, I go to a clinic to get out my teeth. They, they said they can't allow to to do that because my 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 crowns are swollen. They couldn't. Mm. Sorry, Dayanda. Did, did you yeah. get? Did you get that? Sorry, Dayanda. Them yeah. out. They couldn't take your teeth out. Yes. Because. And my gums are swollen. Your gums are swollen. Okay. Okay. And do you are you do you have allergies to to anything? Do you know whether you're allergic to anything? Yeah, I don't know the the allergic thing, but I just want to get help. Sure. So, so your question is really about swelling of the gums and what may be causes of that. Yes. Sure. Okay, so first of all, to say, just in relation with this program, it's, it's, it's very, very rare for allergic conditions to cause chronic uh, swelling of the gums. Certainly, if you've got a severe, life-threatening attack of an allergy, your whole face and your tongue, etc., can swell up. But that's totally different to what you're talking about here, and that's saying that your gums are generally swollen. First of all, it can be caused by chronic infection of the gums. Certainly, um, it can be caused by certain vitamin deficiencies. And lastly, from racking my brain from medical school days, (laughs) swollen gums can be a side effect of certain medications such as anti-epileptic medications however this is not a presentation of an of an allergic condition so can I, is that better i can get help for when you went to go and have this they, when they were going to take your teeth out did they say anything to you was it, did the dentist not tell you that what it could possibly be uh, they, they give me a, a medicine that they say they are going to Get right, but uh, at the moment, uh, it, it is no, no thing that is right. Sure. So I, I want you to, to give me a place that I can go to. Sure, sure. So... So the medication, I mean, I can only guess that they gave you an antibiotic. I may be incorrect. But, you know, chronic swelling of the gum is often caused by a chronic infection in the mouth and the gums. So I assume that that's what they were trying to treat. But I would visit your clinic again, um, not the dentist, but the medical clinic, and tell them that you've got swollen gums. And they may want to run some basic blood tests to make sure that there's not a more chronic problem underlying. You're not on any medication on any other medication because that's another thing to consider swollen gums can be a side effect of medications Donda, are you taking any medication? uh uh-uh. not, okay 
sure. In that case, you know, uh, chronic infection, chronic vitamin deficiencies, something like scurvy, vitamin C deficiencies in the olden days used to cause that. So go and visit your, your clinic, please, or your GP for that matter. Okay. 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 Thanks, Donda. Sorry, couldn't Thank help you. you further. Good night Cheers. to you. Well, we've got some time amongst us to chat amongst ourselves now, right. as they say. And I really <laughs> wanted to, you mentioned it, I think, when we were speaking to Moetu about the controllers and how to con- maintain a, a healthy life with asthma. So let's just talk about what people should be doing. Absolutely. So if I may, I'll just talk about the two components to asthma, which I briefly mentioned at the beginning of the mm. talk. Asthma has two components to it, which often aren't recognized by patients as well as doctors. And they both have to be treated in order to have effective asthma control. So the one component is inflammation, chronically swollen airways, lots of cells, lots of mucus, etc. And the other component is that the smooth muscle around the airway constricts and is twitchy and goes tight. So our medication is aimed long-term at reducing the inflammation and short-term at relieving the spasm in the muscles. But without that long-term control, you're going to have lots of asthma attacks. So it's probably the most important part of asthma treatment is that controller medication that needs to be taken on a long-term basis. And in many cases, patients think, well, I'm doing so well. I've got hardly any symptoms. I'm going to stop my medication. But the reason why they're doing so well is because the controller medication is doing a good job. So Asthma control, first of all, making the right diagnosis. Secondly, having the right treatment. And the treatment is based on the age, on how bad your asthma is, on what triggers your asthma attacks. And it generally consists of a long-term controller. So it's a pump or a tablet that works on the inflammation. Most commonly, what we call an inhaled steroid pump, an inhaled corticosteroid. And then your reliever medications for quick relief when you're tight. And that's what we call a bronchodilator. So it's saying, that opens up your airways very quickly by relaxing the muscles. So with the right combination of medication, your asthma control should really be near perfect. You should be able to lead a normal lifestyle, exercise normally, sleep well, have minimal exacerbations and certainly no hospital visits. Part of asthma treatment as well will be general education and also avoiding trigger factors if you have any factors that worsen your asthma. For example, some people may be worsened by exposure to things in the air like house dust mite or pollens and then they know that they're going to get those attacks and you try to minimize your exposure to those allergens. Some people may get worse under stress. Some people may get worse with exercise. Then you take the right precautions, as we mentioned earlier, by taking your reliever medication before you exercise. Some people may get worse at in the workplace, in which they need to speak to their employers and see if they can institute some measures to try and reduce the exposure to the irritant dust uh, or paint, uh, for example. Um, does that answer your question? <laughs> Just the one thing I know we, when we were speaking to Mawetu earlier in the show, yeah. he had a little one who was now five. Sure. Uh, how easy is it to administer a pump to a little one? Very easy, Karen. Because really? Because what we need to do is, and, and, and adults and children alike really should be using devices that are incredibly easy to use. So what we use in children are a device called a spacer. This is really a big, almost like a plastic bottle with a hole on either end. And in one end goes the pump and the other end goes to the lips or is attached to a mask which goes over the child's face and then what you do is you pump the medication into this plastic canister and all the child has to do is breathe in and out normally so really this whole coordination process with asthma pumps is totally unnecessary and I use these spaces in children up to the age of 12 years of age even in adults if they want to increase their asthma control it's actually helpful to use a a spacer so it is easy to give children um, these these pumps indeed it's just the one thing we need to get in across to people is that it's all very well carrying around the asthma pump for Mm. emergencies but that isn't the only thing as you're saying it's a continual everyday Absolutely. So using your controller or or otherwise called your preventer medication on a daily basis, and that's going to help to reduce the swelling in your airway, 
sometimes even fix the asthma over time and also reduce the number of attacks you get. And then for the attacks, you use a combination and you also use your reliever medication to provide quick relief. Now, there are lots of, unfortunately, lots of preconceived ideas about the controller medications, which sometimes act as a barrier to effective asthma control. So people may think, wow, if I have to take a pump every day, my chest is weak or my chest will become weak or I will become addicted. And that's absolutely not the case or um, the side effects of steroids that people think wow you know a pump with steroids in it I'm going to become like a bodybuilder <laughs> etc and just remember that these medications go to the chest and generally stay in the chest they don't get into the body in the if they're correctly given at the right doses choosing the right medication for the patient in fact the most common side effects of inhaled steroids is actually problems in the mouth because some of the particles instead of going into the airway settle in the mouth and can cause inflammation or even candida or yeast in the mouth and that's also reduced by using the medication with a spacer okay so there's there's an answer pretty much for every concern that you might have there is certainly an answer for every concern but basically the bottom line is you need to take this medication every day if you have a child with asthma you have you have to make sure that they have it every day is Absolutely. it is it pretty well diagnosed it's not something that's misdiagnosed or missed completely or yeah, is it something parents maybe should say well could it perhaps be asthma if no one's coming up with the asthma solution Absolutely. So asthma is generally underdiagnosed. And the crux of the matter is you know, people with a wheezy chest, a chronic cough, not just during colds and infections, but in between infections, as, we, as we've mentioned. So the pertinent questions really would be, if you run around a lot, if your child runs around a lot, what do they do? And often they say, oh, they end up coughing or they end up in a wheeze. What happens at night to their cough? What happens when they have a temper tantrum and cry excessively or an adults often laughing excessively can lead to the tightening of the chest. So these symptoms in between infections, that's the most important thing. And then taking the whole profile into account, is it an allergic child anywhere? Do they have eczema? Do they have other signs? Is it an allergic family, for example? Then we piece together the puzzle and, and make a diagnosis. In adults and older kids, we can also use some tests to help us make the diagnosis which show us how well the airway is working, such as spirometry or peak flow, where you blow into machines and they show how well the airway is working. But in answer to your question in general, asthma is underdiagnosed. But in patients with a chronic cough or a wheeze or a tight chest, it certainly should be considered. So if you're worried about your child, don't just ignore it. Um, if the doctor or the healthcare professional hasn't quite got there yet, which I'm sure they will get there in the end, but Absolutely. if you're worried, mention it. Say, possibly, could you look at my child potentially having asthma? There's no harm in asking. There's no harm in asking. And certainly it's a very difficult diagnosis to make in the younger kids. Mm. So if the doctor seems not to want to commit him or herself, it's actually quite right to do that under the age of two. Because as we've mentioned, most wheezes at that age are oh, caused infection. by infection. Mm. So if the doctor doesn't want to commit yet, it's quite the right thing to do. So look, this is a possibility of asthma, but at the moment we can't lay down the diagnosis. However... If you feel the child warrants treatment, even if you haven't firmly laid down that diagnosis, then go for it. So rather over-treat than under-treat, because you can always withdraw medication at a later stage if necessary. Right. Well, I hope you're going to all go and get a pen and some paper. I've got some contact numbers for you. I'll give them to you in a moment. But first of all, thank you to my guest, Dr. Claudia Gray. Claudia, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Absolutely. Pleasure. Thanks very much. And Dr. Gray is a pediatrician working at the Red Cross Children's Hospital's Allergy Clinic, as well as at the Vincent Pilati Hospital hospital here in Cape Town and if you'd like to contact the National Asthma Education Program you can have a look at the website it's www.asthma.co.za or 0861 asthma there's also the Allergy Society of South Africa and that's www.allergysa.org and for any contact details and there's actually quite a lot more they'll all be up on the Facebook page a little later so log on to Health Matters on SAFM and they'll all be there. Otherwise, you can email me, healthmatters at safm.co.za and I'll send you the list of contact details. Well, I'm Karen Key. Thanks for joining me this evening and I'll be back with you again tomorrow evening just after nine with time to travel. But right now, it's over to Stephen Kirker for some late night music.